Mostly Nerds Radio Network presents The Golden Guys. Thank you for being a nerd. Hosted by Rick, the Sussman Sussman, and Maximus, Chad Welcome, everybody, to another fantastic episode of The Golden Guys. I am, of course, the Sussman, Rick Sussman, and joining me, as always, as the only for these events, is Maximus himself, Chad Allen. Chad, how you doing tonight? Hi. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Happy happy almost Thanksgiving. It's our uh, Thanksgiving special for... Uh, our, 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 our Thanksgiving spiel with an extra helping, if you will. That's right for uh, for the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. This is a uh, this is our uh, Happy Thanksgiving, Charlie Brown. I guess uh, for, <laughs> for lack of a, we're so sorry, Charlie Brown. Yeah, a special from Wrestling Nerds Radio. Right. Network. So Jesse, write that down. <laughs> uh, we are going to uh, we are this week going back in time uh, all the way to. Uh, I, let me try it now. I figured this out when I was watching the show. Uh, to okay. uh, a year when I was, I believe, about 14. All uh, right, all right. Because this was 1990. I graduated in 94. Uh, so this is yes. the, the prime the prime of my, heading into the prime of my youth. Uh, and a really weird, <laughs> and a really weird time for professional wrestling. Because, yes, we're going to go back to the Thanksgiving night tradition. And by the way, I miss the fact that they do that used to do this on Thanksgiving night. I thought that was actually a pretty... Uh, Neato idea. I can understand why they stopped it, but uh, I'm disappointed that they don't. But we're going back to uh, Survivor Series 1990, uh, which has uh, one especially major debut uh, and one not debut. Well, there was well there was one major debut, (laughs) one okay debut, and one oh my god why did this happen debut. Uh, and, and obviously we will cover all of them as we go through here as, uh, as, uh, Rick and I run through, run through Survivor Series 1990. Uh, Rick, what do we, what do we start with? What, how does our, what's the, uh, what's the first thing we get to deal with today? So, so before we get into the nuts and bolts, what you guys want to remember about these special Golden Guys uh, episodes, and they are few and far between for a reason, is because, well, it's more than one reason. Chad and I are um, ancient in yeah, terms of being the professional wrestling nerd wrestling fan. Um, so we only really get together, you know, we actually have to map these things out seven to 12 months in advance. Yeah. So sorry that this is just how it goes. Um, look. I specifically, and, and maybe Chad, you, you mentioned how this is when you were in the prime of your youth, and I was merely eight years old when this debuted, but I remember it so fondly because this was one of the first shows I went to Blockbuster and yanked off the shelf and rented oh, for two dollars. When you could go yes. get WWE VHS tapes at Blockbuster, and boy howdy, did I do that a bunch of times myself, even at that uh, the the slightly older age that I am, but. Yes. Well, oh God. I remember this show being, one, extraordinarily long, and two, extraordinarily interesting. And after watching it again, I can tell you, it is interesting, but I don't know if extraordinary is the right word for it. You know what? There, there were, I'd be honest, a few things that I actually did find somewhat extraordinary in this. And, and, uh, yes. and, I'm, yes. and I'd be very excited to get to, to get to some of these. There's a lot of things that... Um, 
and even uh, the the golden my golden gal uh, Shelley was watching with me, who was so if I was fourteen, she was uh, nine. So, um, but she even had a few uh, a few comments as we were as we were watching, and I was taking notes that I, I wrote down for her as well. Um, well, but, well then, shall, shall we shall we stop pussyfooting around and yeah. get to it then? So what was the uh, all right? So how so what do you remember from the from the open of, of the open of the show? I, I have I've gone directly into matches here on mine. Um, yes, yes, that's that's but, fine. Uh, um, there is of course the wonderful banter between um, a Gorilla Monsoon and a we'll say mildly coked up Rowdy Roddy yeah. Piper. <laughs> Roddy, <laughs> just maybe. Yeah, Roddy. I forgot how much a I I did love Roddy's commentary. Um, yes, I think Roddy's a blast. Um, but yes, it's definitely very um, frantic, uh, <laughs> and and that's just I think part of Roddy's charm. Uh, I do love the I do love how the subdued Gorilla Monsoon definitely uh, kind of soothes uh, a little bit of how crazy Roddy is, though. Um, it, well, you need you need that. You can't yeah. just have two me's running around, <laughs> right? Uh, the one thing that I did the first match was uh, the perfect team, which was right. uh, Mr. Perfect and the three member Demolition. So we have Axe Smash and Crush. Um, Kona Crush to take, those playing at home, uh, but not Kona Crush at the time. This was before he uh, before he became the uh, that weird like multicolored like neon Crush. Um, taking yes, on the team correct. of Taking on the team of the Warriors, uh, which uh, captained by uh, obviously the really frantic Ultimate Warrior, um, the uh, Texas Tornado, Carrie Von Erich, uh, and the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. Um, I'm going to start off on a bit of a bummer note between the intro of the show. I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> the intro of the show, just noting from the intro of the show with Monsoon and Piper. All the way through the promos, how many of these guys are dead right now? So it's just Animal that's still alive, uh, and on the other team, just um, Axe and Smash. Right. It is legitimately from the announcers to the fucking referee. The referee was Tony Morella, who is also dead. It's like, like, holy crap. It's like, I mean, you could not start for me, at least in a more depressing way. I mean, the show is only, I mean, I realize the show is like close to 20 years old. I, I mean, I understand that. But 20 years for guys that at the time frame were probably in their, what, 20s and 30s for the majority of them? Yeah. I mean, Piper's a little older, Monsoon's a little older, obviously, but oh my God, it's like, the fact well, that, only one of those, only one of the guys that you mentioned died from what you would refer to as, you know, natural causes. Yes, True. Piper had cancer and, and, and all that, but only Monsoon really got to be a grandpa, you know? Right. Yeah, no, Henning died, so, Henning died of drugs, Crush died of drugs, yeah. Warrior died of yeah. a heart attack, which was probably caused by drugs. Texas Tornado... Um, Texas Tornado committed suicide, from what I remember. And yes. Hawk died of... Oh, yeah, drugs. So... So, uh, if everybody could take a moment to, uh, to go to your South Park playbook and go, uh, okay, kids, drugs are bad. 
Here's your proof. Drugs and man, because the majority of that match is dead. Deady dead dead. Um, so. Aside from the obvious, and yes, Dead Wrestler Island represent big on this show. Um, what I notice more than anything is this is one of the major pay-per-views. Yes. It, it, it was all all uh, Survivor matches, which I thought was cool. Which I love, right. And then, yeah, and, and then most importantly, you have not one, but both major singles titles on one team right. being defended in the cold open. Yes, <laughs> definitely curtain-jerking with the two main titles. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing, uh, just briefly on the promo portion of it, uh, I have a note here for the promo that uh, the Warriors promo, uh, the the group of the Warriors with Ultimate Warrior, Texas Tornado, and LOD, is a holy crap, is that a lot of yelling? Oh, it's yeah. just not. Oh, yeah. and, a lot of, and a lot of pumping of fists. And my favorite part of that, if you watch really closely, I had to roll it back a couple of times, but. Hawk, of course, starts us off as he always does with the promos. And when he turns in, Warrior's making his crazy faces in the background. Yes. And Hawk absolutely scrapes his face with his with his elbow pad. Nice. I did miss that. Sadly, I'm gonna have to go back and find that now. So. Oh, um, it's 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 a blink and you miss it kind of thing. But you can see Warrior looks at the elbow pad after it scrapes him like it's gonna like he's gonna fight the elbow pad <laughs> like it like it, it accosted him. It was. It's just one oh. of those moments in time. You're like, yeah. As for the match itself, as the kids like to say. Right. It's important to note that there are a lot of matches on a two and a half hour card. This card, a major pay-per-view, is shorter than your typical Monday Night Raw. Yes. Important to remember. Yes. Um, one thing I do want to say... A couple things I wanted to say about this uh, match. First off... Uh, in the intros, um, I completely, I knew it, but I completely forgot um, how amazingly, we make fun of him, he's a, it's a joke now, he's kind of a joke, well he's not because he's dead, um, I think we've kind of come around to it, but ultimately the Ultimate Warrior was, like nowadays we kind of look back and roll our eyes and go, God, we thought that was cool, oh my God, yeah. when he comes out, yeah, we thought that was cool, because the place explodes, I mean, oh, absolutely! Like he does, he does his little like shimmy step because of the way the arena is set up. You can't really get a full stride right. in. But once he starts barreling down the aisle that they have made for him, those people were unglued. Yes, uh, astonishing. I can tell you that uh, this is one of my favorite Shelley quotes from when we were watching this. Uh, she said, "She said, and again, remember, two and a half hour show. Like you said, it is amazing how so how slow paced this seems." But the crowd is so engaged, uh, and that's oh, actually they never sat down. They never no. sat down. Uh, but ultimately, well, though, well, at one point they did. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I mean, you, it's it is amazing that yeah, it is a bit of a. It's obviously slower pace than what we're used to nowadays. And I know there are probably some of the you know kids who are sitting on our lawn right now uh, mm-hmm. who will be like, God, this is so boring and slow. Yeah, but it, it like I said the the way they had it set up and the way they had it going kept everybody engaged. Uh, the crowd, like I said, the crowd was into it the entire time. There was a, a huge weasel chant at one point because Bobby yeah. Heenan, Bobby Heenan was one of the bigger heels in wrestling. Doesn't matter who the hell he was managing. Um, 
But yeah, no, I, I loved this match. Uh, Axe went out first. Uh, Warrior hit him with the with the old big splash. Uh, yeah, like twenty three seconds into the match. Yeah, oh god, yeah. <laughs> well, we got we got we got to get the show moving. God damn it. Um, <laughs> we gotta go. We gotta and go. Then, and then we eliminated four people right away because then Demolition and Legion of Doom got into a brawl, which just all eliminated right. all four of those, which just left uh, Mister Perfect to take on Ultimate Warrior and. Texas Tornado all by himself. Um, uh, I do love the fact that uh, at one point, uh, Mister Perfect put a thumb uh, put a thumb to Texas Tornado's eye, and yeah. Roddy Piper's quote was, "Well, that eh, works every time," which was <laughs> which made me happy as I'll get out. Um, I did note that uh, Mister Perfect's drop kick is still amazing, uh, even after all yeah. this time. It was it was almost sad to watch Perfect like trying to. I mean, Perfect is trying to bump every time somebody touches him. Oh God! Gotcha. To make this look just a little bit less ridiculous. But he and, and I thank him for it. Right. I, I appreciate it. Uh, and I do love the fact that they they did have some time where Tornado and Perfect were in there together. Now, mind you, don't get me wrong. This is not. For anybody that knows anything about Kerry Von Erich, uh, this is not, though, yes, this is the probably the most famous he's ever been. This is probably the most money he ever got paid. This was his time in the biggest company in the world. This was not necessarily the best time for Kerry Von Erich. Um, he had been in an accident. He had lost a foot. He had had, you know, drug issues. Obviously, he ended up committing suicide. Um but man, you put him in there with perfect, and it's it's a fun go to to watch them to watch them go because he's still talented as hell even then, with everything yeah. that he's got going on. And Henning could you know Kurt Henning could make anybody look like a million bucks, um, or at least competent, <laughs> right? Yeah, because he definitely made Warrior look competent at the very least at the end of it all. So. Um, <laughs> This match also had, um, at the very early onset, the start of what would become an overarching theme for the night, where the ring post actually bumped more than pretty much anyone else. True. Very um, true. I, I saw I saw no less than five shoulders going all the way to the ring post oh, God, yeah. in each match, which would essentially be one per match. But I know it wasn't one per match. It was like two in one. <laughs> there was a couple that didn't have it. Yeah. Oh, God, but, yeah. Big ups to the ring post. <laughs> the ring post putting it in. So, uh, Warrior ended up winning that match. Uh, he kicked out of the perfect plex, which at the time was like, you know, shocking as all get out because nobody kicked out of the perfect plex for the most part. He wasn't the first to do it, but, uh, you know, definitely was still kind of a big deal to have somebody kick out of it. Uh, and then shoulder block, big splash. Wash, rinse, repeat, ultimate warrior moves on. And I forgot, by the way, uh, before watching this, this was, I think, the one and only time they ever did the, like, ultimate survival match at the end where all the winners met up at the end to fight one more time. Yeah, this 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 pay-per-view, for all of its, you know, faults, and we'll, we'll get to it, yeah. um, has some of the most interesting and honestly some of the most cool concepts to this event like if you like traditional survivor series matches and 
you wanted some kind of crazy payout at the end. I can easily this this almost translates perfectly to a modern day war game setting. True. Or could you imagine we do we do all ten? You know, everyone wins, everyone loses. Whoever's left over, you end up in like a pseudo war game style event, either on the next show or to end the show. How cool would that have been? That Jed? would be amazing. So NXT, if you're listening to this, Triple H, if you're listening to this. And I'm and shocked if you are. Is. Yeah, so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you can steal that from us. Just make sure to give us credit. Uh, we would like yeah, to have whoever or, or the... Don't. I'm used to it. <laughs> we, we'd like to whoever have the internet title holder is be in that match. Uh, <laughs> that would be wonderful. I like him a lot. <laughs> uh, um, shall we move on to match numero two? Match numero dos. Yes, this was... Uh, the way I've got this listed here is the million dollar team. Of uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, the tag team, the tag team of Rhythm and Blues. <laughs> what do we do with Greg Valentine? Man, I don't know. <laughs> let's let's dye his hair black and team him with the Honky Tonk Man and make him look ridiculous. Uh, uh, taking, <laughs> taking on the Dream Team of uh, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Coco Beware, and the Heart Foundation, and. Whoever's dream that was um, should take better drugs because that's a really weird dream to have. Um, never, yeah. never have I ever think that the, the words Coco Beware and Dream Team have ever gone together. Uh, or quite honestly, it's, it's also like saying things like Coco Beware and Hall of Fame. See the funny part is, and I remember that Coco <laughs> Beware and this is a good idea. See, see, the only thing that I will go back on for you on that one is, and we might have to do a whole other show on on uh, maybe next year when we get around to it, of people that are in the Hall of Fame. I actually have no issue with Coco Beware being in the Hall of Fame. I, I think a lot of people do, but but I have no issue with, with Coco being in there. But we will save that for another show. Um, All right, fair enough. Now, this uh, is, of course, the most important match of the entire event, yes? We, we, don't, we don't know that at the time, obviously, but yes, looking back, this is indeed the most important match of the event um, moving forward from here. So... Uh, before we get to why that is, though, a uh, few notes that I did have. Uh, Dusty with no polka dots in this match. Um, yes, which I, which I love. Uh, it's basically just, it's NWA Dusty, which made me happy. Uh, I did, I did indeed <laughs> take wearing it. his alternate skin. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, I do indeed have a note here that says Greg Valentine looks ridiculous. Um, <laughs> because he did. Um uh, I will state that the million dollar belt is still my favorite belt of all time, uh, and was reminded of that when Ted DiBiase came out. How much I think that belt's amazing. Um, but uh, the main thing that uh, that obviously this match is a big deal for is a very certain debut. So, uh, Rick, who who was that debut all the way back at Summer Survivor Series nineteen ninety? Ted DiBiase gets on the mic, an amazing talker in his own time, and maybe even today. And he announces to the world that he has bought something for all of us. He paid for this. He paid for it coming down the aisle, led by his manager, Brother Love. We'll try. So it doesn't really spoil it. Right. <laughs> A man from, and he even says it, from Death Valley. Of course. Like when... When DiBiase says Death Valley, even at 36 years old, knowing what's going to happen, mm -hmm. a little goosebumps, just a little yeah. bit of goosebumps, yep. just a little bit. Won't disagree. He 
announces The Undertaker. Now, you don't... Know, this is... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Please, please. My my favorite part about that is, do you, um, do you realize that on the WWE Network, and you probably do realize this, uh, that that is a minor edit? I didn't. You did not. Very interesting. Oh, no, uh, no. My... my... My memory altered to fit this narrative. <laughs> the a minor edit is that uh, the Undertaker, for that one moment, had a first name. Really? Yes, he was actually introduced officially as Kane, the Undertaker, and they decided to not oh. use the name Kane for him, and obviously, it got used later. Uh, for his I brother. I did not know that. Yes. Or if I did, I'd since forgotten. That's quite interesting. Yes. So that is that is a bit of an edit, but uh, that is definitely the debut of The Undertaker. Uh, uh, I do have a note in here about The Undertaker. Uh, two notes, actually. Uh, one that says uh, this is the fastest The Undertaker has ever made it to the ring into the entirety of his time in that gimmick. Uh, he actually got to the ring at an expeditious pace. Uh <laughs> And got uh, and got out of his gear actually amazingly quickly for him, um, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, and uh, he destroys Coco Beware in two moves. It's really, it's really the neck. It's a neck snap off the ropes directly into a tombstone, um, and then he just dumps him out of the ring like a hefty cinch sack on trash day. It was not pretty. So. So, what I find, I mean, okay, there's a lot to unpack here, because for one, the tombstone that he does, he's not sure of the move, and he's you can actually see his left arm is holding Coco's head to make sure that he doesn't murder him. Right. Which, thanks, Mark Calloway, that's very sweet of you, but also, you can tell that even he isn't sure how to do this, yes. which is great. Um, two, uh, the only, <laughs> of course, it's the only black guy pretty much on the entire car. <laughs> well, and he's, he's in and out of the ring in 30 seconds. As my wife will tell you, usually the black guy dies in the horror movie first. So first, in this, in this instance, that actually fits perfectly. Um, oh, it does. It does. And I, I thought the exact same thing. Like, well, of course the monster would kill the black guy first. This is 1990. Right. Um, so Undertaker ends up tagging out at one point um, for reasons unknown because <laughs> because he could have just like stayed in there and killed everybody. Um, uh, Honky Tonk Man uh, becomes one of the the probably the last people to actually be defeated by uh, Jim the Edville Nightheart's Power Slam uh, in 1990. Yes. Uh, Dusty Rhodes throws a drop kick. If you'd like to see yes. that, that's amazing. Um, Certainly not terrible looking, kind of nope. terrible looking. <laughs> hey, you know, when being done by somebody who who is built like Dusty, I would say that's like, you know, that's right up there with Perfect's drop kick. If we're taking like you know a body fat percentage into account, and I love Dusty, yeah. don't get me wrong. Um, Jim the Anvil Nightheart is beaten by a clothesline uh, from Ted DiBiase, <laughs> thanks to thanks to Virgil interfering. Um, uh, Dust, Dusty goes down to uh, Taker throwing a flying axe handle, which I thought was interesting. 
Um, yes, off the top, from the, from almost the middle, he uh, he sort of does like a mini old school, yes. and jumps off just the corner. But he's on the rope. Like it's important to note that he's on the rope yes. by himself and flies to the middle of the ring. It's very impressive. It is. Um, but then that takes out um, the Undertaker because uh, Dusty starts beating the crap out of Brother Love. Uh, and Taker and Taker comes out to save him and gets counted out because that was the only way they were going to be able to get rid of him in this match. Um, <laughs> There's so many count outs. Um, oh the one thing I did note here was, uh, I have two notes here, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine was pinned by uh, a Bret Hart small package. Um, yes. But um, him and DiBiase then have a, a pretty darn serviceable match here at the end, being the last two survivors. Um, was this kind of the start of Bret Hart's singles career? I think you can make that argument. I think you can easily make that argument. Because he was, he was given, you know, the opportunity. He, he goes in against Taker, and he and they allow him to get some offense in on Taker. If you watch this match from start to finish, Bret Hart is clearly the MVP of at least um, the Dream Team, which I, I realize is not saying a whole lot. What with Coco B, with Coco B not there, right? Um, Dusty. Dusty being Dusty, and of course Jim is known for his goatee. So, but it's not like they obliterated the team and then, oh, here's poor Bret Hart and he doesn't get anywhere. He has a very good match with Ted DiBiase and oh, by the way, did you forget that Ted DiBiase is really good? Because if you did watch this pay-per-view, you'll yeah. remember. DiBiase is amazing. Uh, by the way, I would like to say for the record, I was making fun of uh, Jim the Animal Neidhart earlier, uh, but I can tell you at one point of time they had released, while they were still the Hart Foundation, T-shirts for both Jim the Anvil Neidhart and Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, and I can tell you that I did buy one of those shirts, and it definitely was not uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. I definitely owned a Jim the Anvil Neidhart shirt for a while, uh, and I don't care who knows it, I would love to have it back if I could. Um, I, 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 on that same note... Uh, I think you could pull off a Neidhart cosplay pretty easily, Chad. If I didn't, if I was willing to shave my beard, you're absolutely correct. I would have to trim the, trim it down <laughs> to the goatee, but uh, I could, I would be okay with that, quite honestly. By the way, uh, I, I just just think it off the top of my head. By the way, rest in peace, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Um, yes. DiBiase <laughs> ends up uh, DiBiase ends up winning that match uh, after reversing a body press uh, that Bret Hart threw to get to get the pinfall. Uh, this match is also very interesting to me for the fact that. Uh, Bret Hart um, definitely threw the beginning of his old his uh, what ends up becoming his five moves of doom, by, of doom? Yep. with uh, hitting the backbreaker, the spike, you know, the spiked elbow off the top, um, uh, and then uh, started to tease what I thought was actually going to be the sharpshooter, um, and then ended up kicking him in the gut instead because the sharpshooter wasn't a thing yet. Um, but I was like. Oh my God! Are we going to see the sharpshooters? Like, oh yeah, that's right. No, he was a tag champ right now. This was, this was not sharpshooter time quite yet. So, not, not um, no, not quite. But uh, Ted, yeah, the- I thought uh, overall, uh, especially for being what it was, really good match. Really it was good, worth watching. And uh, Ted DiBiase, Soul Survivor, moving on to the uh, moving on to the big Soul Survivor finals here. Um, match number three. Was a definitely very interesting one. Uh, the Vipers taking on the Visionaries. The Vipers consisting. I'm sure none of you will be surprised to know that Jake the Snake Roberts, the uh, the uh, captain of that team, uh, with the Rockers, uh, Marty Jannetty and 
uh, Shawn Michaels, who you may have heard of, uh, and and uh, known uh, known wife slash girlfriend killer Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Um, oh, that was never completely proven. <laughs> I don't care. I sue me. Um, taking on. Before you get to the, before you get to who they're taking on, if you don't know the Snooka story and you just look at him, he looks like the the body transformation that the original Snooka had versus the guy that I saw in this match is astonishing. Right? It is John Cena level transformation. Um, wanted to point that out. Go ahead. Uh, their opponents are the Visionaries, uh, which was Rick the Model Martel, uh, the Warlord. Uh, who I think had just recently debuted the like weird uh, shaved head with the the silver Phantom of the Opera mask um, set up, and then possibly one of my most underrated tag teams of all time, uh, Hercules and Paul Roma, aka Power and Glory, Power uh, and Glory. which I I don't care what anybody says. I think that team was amazing. Um, well. It's, it's a known fact that Roma is one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. Their finish, by the way, that they pull off more than once on this show... They do. ...is something that people are still doing to this day. Right. Uh, their, their timing was a little off, sadly, on this one here, because there was definitely a couple times where they hit it where, like, Hercules just finished the superplex while Roma was, was landing the splash, and that is not yeah. thing of thing of beauty. They, uh... They don't have it quite as in sync during this, but still a blast to watch. So, um, Jake the Snake Roberts before this match, uh, the uh, visionary, the, both teams did a promo, but uh, the Vipers, uh, I I love Jake the Snake Roberts promo with the one milky eye because he's still selling the yes. effects of uh, of the arrogance spray into his eye. Oh God, so good! What a great promo. Um, but Roberts is always a great a great one for that, so that doesn't surprise me all of that course. much. Um, Jay, I also wrote down Jake the Snake Roberts' theme music is still probably one of the best theme musics in wrestling. Um, I don't care what anybody says. Fight me. Um, uh, I mostly have uh, I mostly have the victory. You know how people went out on this one for my notes here. Um, I do have Warlord with a major power slam on Marty Jannetty and a huge backdrop on Shawn Michaels. Uh, those weren't the ways they eliminated, but Jesus, he was strong as hell. Um, yeah, yeah um, this this match, this, they wanted to make Warlord look like a dummy or something. I don't know, but the, what I took away from this match more than anything was that Piper never bothered learning the names of the Rockers. He just kept calling them Rocker. Right. Well, would you be surprised? Rocker, he's Warlord. You gotta move, Rocker. You gotta move. The funny part is, like, looking back later, you know, like I said, because how far off are we from, like, Michael's turning on Gennetti and, and starting his career um, into the, you know, the Hall of Fame status? I mean, it's it's a blast to, to watch him, like, really young Shawn Michaels, you know, you know doing what he does. So, uh, Jimmy Snuka was the first eliminated I have here, thanks to uh, uh, Rick the Model Martel and a handful of tights. Um, because yes. that's what a heel does. Uh, Roberts keeps trying to get the uh, get to Rick Martel the entire time, which I think is amazing. And Martel playing the uh, the chicken shit uh, chicken shit's just awesome. Uh, Michaels gets taken out by the powerplex, like we talked about earlier, um, which ultimately ended up leaving Jake all alone, 
uh, because Janetti was eliminated earlier, probably by that power slam I, I wrote down about. Um, and then, of course, as every good Jake the Snake match does, uh, Damien makes an appearance uh, to freak everybody out. Um, but then that gets him counted out as he's trying to chase Martel still, um, and then ends up passing the entire time. And apparently, from what they were saying in their promos, and I'm hard-pressed to believe it's wrong, um, because they had it in their promo, that this was the first time an entire team had um, not gotten eliminated uh, from a Survivor Series match, which I thought was kind of interesting. So, Yes, the Visionaries remained intact from start to finish and would go on to the finals. Now, um, before uh, you go a little bit further, there is an important note here as well. Yes. When Warlord, uh, before the match ends, Warlord takes the DDT and sells it as though someone has just shot him in the head. Yes. In a way that you will never see a finish sold maybe ever again. Right. No. Um, Warlord, you got to give him credit first off, yeah, because that was definitely... Yeah. Uh, the sale of the century right there, if you've ever seen it. Uh, but I, I am of the belief that anybody that gets DDT'd by Jake the Snake Roberts should indeed sell it like you've been shot. I think that's the only way to do it correctly. So, Oh, I agree. I agree. But it was funny because the match is over. Now, there's one of two things. So either A, he's doing a very good job, or B, Jake le- legitimately knocked him out. Who's to I mean, say? Bo- <laughs> both are possibilities here, so... Um, I, they were holding him up. He looked like he was death warmed over. I was never one to believe that Warlord was really good at wrestling. And when you get to the finals, we'll discuss what happens. There. Oh God, So yeah. maybe Jake just killed him. I it, don't know. I wouldn't. It wouldn't put me. I wouldn't put it past him. So uh, <laughs> now what? Now what was next? Did we go to? Did we move to another match, or was this where we had an interview? I think this was the interview, but okay. this wasn't the interview. No, th- well, this, this, as far as I'm concerned, this was the interview because it was definitely the Macho King, uh, Randy yes. Savage, uh, being in full Macho King glory. Without the crown, though, I, I was mildly disappointed by that, um, that he did not have that, uh, that really weird plastic-molded crown that he used to wear all the time. Um, yeah. But I did have a note here for this interview that does say that Macho Man is dressed like an insane candy cane. Um, because it's definitely a lot of red and white. Um, I, I don't have a, I didn't write down a lot about this. I think because I was just sitting back and enjoying a Macho Man interview, because they are almost all just things of of glory and renown, uh, and should yes. be and should be studied like uh, you know like great poetry should be. Um, there should That's be. Like there should be college classes where they like teach Edgar Allan Poe and then oh. Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, because he's just a blast. So, um, yeah, I, I have no argument. I have no. I have nothing to add, but I have nothing to take away as well. Well, then let me move. Then we'll move on. Then here, uh, the next match we have from here is uh, the Hulkamaniacs. I'll give you three guesses who captained that team. Uh, yeah, it was Tugboat. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, Hulk Hogan uh, in full on red and yellow glory. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, the aforementioned Tugboat. Uh, and I think fairly newly face-turned Big Boss Man. Um, yes. Taking on uh, the team captain Earthquake, uh, the uh, currently dead Dino Bravo. Um, by the way, speaking <laughs> of another match with a bunch of dead people in it. Um, yeah. Haku, well, maybe not, because Haku and Barbarian, I, I believe, are both still... I know Haku's still out there 
killing it. And yeah, I'm pretty sure Barbarian, I'm sure Barbarian very much is as well. Yeah, so, okay, so I guess maybe only Earthquake and Dino Bravo or, <laughs> oh no, and, yeah, and Boss Man. But, um... Uh, in is Tugboat the, still with us? Tugboat is indeed still with us. I didn't know that. I I'm actually, happy about it, I tug, just didn't know that. Tugboat actually lives in this area. If you uh, if you catch a, an NXT show from time to time, you may bump into uh, to uh, one Mr. Uncle Fred Ottman. So uh, look around for him next time. Well, you I, I know that um, I know that uh, Tenta trained around here because one of my buddies, uh, old, old mild name drop Josh Rich, was trained by Tenta, and I know Very I cool. know that, but I didn't know that Tuggy was around here too. Tug, I didn't, Tugboat I didn't know does that. indeed live down here. Um, Hogan dedicated the match beforehand to the soldiers in Iraq because this is right into the uh, right into uh, Operation Desert Storm. Uh, we will talk yes. talk more about that later. Um, Especially in the next match after this one, because I definitely have some oh comments God, on that. Oh, that's right? That match. Um, uh, a couple things I did note. Uh, holy crap! Is is Jim Duggan over? Jim Duggan like? Yeah. Well, that's the next match. No, Duggan. Duggan's in this match right now. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan is over as all get out coming out here. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, I got my. So wait, the Hulkamaniacs is Hogan. Tugboat. Oh, yeah, and Duggan. Yeah, okay, yeah. my bad. You're right. Yeah, Duggan is over. His, you would think Duggan would have been in that next match, but amazingly yeah. enough, he's not. He's here with the Hulkamaniacs. Um, but Duggan is crazy over. Uh, Bossman's theme music, I, I know it's a classic, everybody. I know there are people that love Bossman's old theme music. Bossman's theme music was stupid. Um, and I have that Going noted. down to Cobb County, Georgia. Um... Uh, speaking of uh, of the big boss man, he uh, in another one of these like two second you know get get you out of here setups, uh, the most dangerous man in the match, Haku, is quickly taken out by a boss man slam, and uh, out he goes. Uh, Jim Duggan, I don't remember why, started going two by four crazy and got himself DQ'd. Um, well, there is one thing of note I want yes. to add. Um, I didn't remember how ash, just astronomically huge Tenta actually is. Oh, God, yeah. He is so, so big. Earthquake is so huge. And I forgot how legitimately enormous of a human being he was. Yeah, oh, no, he's a monster. And then you've got him in there with guys that aren't real tiny to begin with, like Boss Man and exactly. Tugboat, who, who look small next to him. It, it is scary how big he was. Yeah, Hogan does not look very imposing against Earthquake. It's it's crazy how big Earthquake really is. Go back and look. You will not. You will. I guarantee you will not recognize how big Earthquake is. You just won't remember. You just won't. Uh, Dino Bravo goes out uh, later on in the match here to uh, amazingly enough Hulk Hogan getting him with a small package. Go yeah, figure. I saw that too, and I blew my mind. I'm Hogan, glad you remembered that. Hogan with a wrestling move. Um, Big Boss Man ends up going out to uh, Earthquake and elbow drops, sadly, because uh, I was really looking forward to seeing the uh, the Earthquake splash, but that did not happen in this match. Yeah. Um, Tugboat and Earthquake uh, kind of eliminate each other thanks to a double countout, um, so which is which is amazing because then obviously they're tag teaming in like a couple years after this. Um, a couple of things I did note. Uh, I note that uh, Barbarian's pile driver really sucks. Uh, his pile driver was shit in that match, um, but he was pile driving Hogan, so that could be part of the problem. Um, 
I do have a note here that Roddy Piper keeps calling Hulk Hogan Pumpkinhead, which I thought was hysterical. Um, he called he called um, he called a uh, uh, perfect the same thing. I guess he just didn't like blondes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then Shocker Barbarian uh, takes the final fall uh, to Hulk Hogan to uh, yeah, big boot and a leg drop. Duh. So. Duh. <laughs> You knew it was going to happen. Everybody saw it coming. There was no way Hulk Hogan wasn't walking out with the win on that one. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, any other thoughts on that match before I move on to the, the very painful next match? Uh, no, let us let us move on to the very painful next match it, and then the even more painful thing that yeah, happened after the very it, painful It next gets match. very painful at the end here. Um, so oh, the, the next match is the Alliance of uh, freshly face-turned uh, U.S. flag-waving Nikolai Volkov, uh, Tito Santana, and uh, the tag team excellence that is the Bushwhackers, uh, <laughs> taking on the mercenaries of Sergeant Slaughter, uh, Boris Zukov, and the tag team of the Orient Express, uh, Sato and Tanaka, um, who I used to love as a tag team, actually. I, I think they're oh, a, yeah. a highly underrated tag team. Um, the Orient Express was awesome. That is that is for damn uh, sure. They didn't hang around all that long, from what I remember in this match. Uh, nope. nope. Um, but um, so, Rick, here's the big question I have for you: um, How was Sergeant Slaughter not murdered during this time frame? At some point, not only how was he not murdered, how 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 are the fans not just rabidly tearing themselves apart trying to get into the ring to murder him? Right. And and um his and his boy on the outside, I, I don't know whoever it was, that was flying be, uh, the Iraqi flag. Uh-huh. That would be that would be General Adnan, who used to be uh uh Sheik uh, Adnan L K C in the old AWA days, uh where he managed a team of people that uh basically were all Sheik. So he was running kind of the same you know, Middle Eastern bad guy gimmick. Uh, he just wore uh, more of the like the the long. Um, it's not a turban, but you know the the thing she Iron Sheik used to wear to the ring. The um, I understand that. Yeah, the, yeah. right. Uh, he used this to wear so that much. instead of the Iraqi military uniform he wears now. This this match is uncomfortable for all of the right reasons. Yes, <laughs> there is. My favorite part, bar none, is the amount of USA chants that happened, where I believe the only actual American in this match was Sergeant Slaughter. Um, okay, hold on. Let me think this through here. So, yeah. Nikolai Volkov is definitely, he was from the Ukraine, I do believe, originally. Tito Santana, I actually believe, is from Texas. So, I think he was. I think he's officially American. Uh, the Bushwhackers okay. were New Zealanders. Slaughter is obviously American. Um I want to say Boris Sukov might actually have been American, but don't quote me on that. I'm going to look that up in a second. Um, and then Pat Tanaka of the Orient Express was definitely Hawaiian. So you have a lot more okay. Americans in here. I mean, obviously, if you're doing it by the nationality that, that they're going to be announced as, uh, it would be Russian, Mexican, New Zealand, American, but being now introduced from Iraq. Uh, Russian again, uh, and then J- Japan for the Ameri- for the Orient Express. Um, but yeah, go go with it. Otherwise, so um, 
A and lot. Tell me again, Chad. How did we get the bulk of these people eliminated in a timely and suitable fashion? Um, by uh, Tito Santana's flying burrito, mostly. Um, <laughs> like Boris Zukov goes to the flying forearm or the flying burrito, as, as Bobby Heenan used to call it, uh, and I still call it to this day. Tanaka went down to the flying forearm. Uh, Sato went out to the battering ram, the the Bushwhackers battering ram. Uh, Volkov went out just to Sergeant Slaughter dropping elbows. Uh, Luke goes out to Sergeant Slaughter's gut buster. Butch goes out to Sergeant Slaughter's slaughter cannon clothesline. Um, then, then there's a ref bump, and here's my favorite part of this match. Uh, and definitely the, the who's booking this shit, because so here's the thing. It was the Survivor Series, so it was a multi-man match, you see. So they had a referee inside the ring to count the pins, but they had a referee on the yeah. fucking outside in case it went crazy. <laughs> so they had a backup ref who was always outside the ring. So there was a ref bump in the ring. So General Adnan comes in with the uh, Iraqi flag and and hits Tito Santana with it in an attempt to turn the match in their favor. But the second referee's fucking staring at them the entire time, still perfectly conscious. Because General Adnan was a fucking moron. Um, so, yeah, that's how, that's how that ended. So then Tito Santana basically won because Sergeant Slaughter got disqualified because his manager's an idiot and didn't realize there was a referee outside the ring, too. Um, Standing next to him for most of the entire right. match, but, you know. Yeah, the most... Stupid heels be stupid. That, the, that match is, is painful for two reasons. One, the match isn't that good. It's easily the worst match of the show. Um, yeah. But two, go watch this just to watch the Sergeant Slaughter promo before this match. Um, oh, God. Because it is painful. It is, oh, my God, it is painful. Not quite as painful as what we're about to get into, but darn painful. So, Rick, I'm going to give you the honor of, of kind of introducing what what happens next here. Okay. Right. And the, probably, by the way... The reason the reason we picked this show to review for for our uh, for our Thanksgiving special, by the way. Yes, if you don't know by now, I don't know why you've tuned in. But right. For a long time leading up to this event, the WWE WWF at the time was parading around this giant egg, and something big was going to pop out of it or crack because of it. I, there, there's prevailing thoughts that at one point there might have been like a pile of money in it. One of the running gags was that there was a hot girl in it. One of the running gags was that there was a giant chicken in it or something like that. And it was – no one really knew what, what the point of this thing was. One of the biggest running things I always heard that it was going to be King Kong Bundy. I, and, and I think that there was like – there's a little bit of truth to that, but then they decided not to go with Bundy for whatever reason. But because it's Thanksgiving and because it was a big fucking egg – this is what happens. Mean Gene comes over, makes a couple of puns about the cracks in the egg are cracking him up, and you can almost hear through the headset on Mons that Monsoon is wearing Vince McMahon cackling in the gorilla position oh, God, about how funny how funny of a joke that was. You can just sense it. You can't actually hear it, but in your in your lizard brain, it's there. You can hear Vince McMahon going, ha, ha, I told you I'd kill, and it kills. You can just hear it. The egg starts to crack, and the crowd is anticipating 
Um, uh, mean Gene says, is it going to be the playmate of the month? The crowd goes wild for that idea. The egg cracks. And what do we have? We have a man dressed in a giant turkey suit. Mm-hmm. The crowd instantly shits this into oblivion. Um, I don't mean I don't mean there's laughter. I don't mean there's silence and then people start booing. I mean as soon as the gobbledygooker pops out of the egg, the crowd instantly turns on the entire event and starts madly booing and hissing the yeah. entire thing. Oh yeah, no, I, I legitimately have in my notes here. It's, it, this is legitimately how it's written. Oh, oh, the the fans hate this. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then uh, I have a note here that, that Roddy Piper is trying his damnedest to sell this as, like, the funniest thing he's ever seen. And again... This is, this is my... Yeah, this is my impression of Roddy's fake laughter. And, and once again, somewhere in that headset, you can hear Vince McMahon cackling away because he's legitimately laughing like that because he thinks this is hysterical. Um, yes. I, I definitely, so uh, at one point the gobbledygooker uh, somehow introduces himself in gobbles, of course. Um, of course. But Mean Gene's able to understand him, of course. Uh, of course. The gobbledygooker drags Mean Gene into the ring to dance to Turkey in the of Straw, course. of course. Um, of course. I definitely have written down at one point, uh, this is painful. Because it was. I'll tell you, I've watched this more on more than one occasion because of Russell Crab and any number of wonderful internet sites that I've already covered this. Right. I scrubbed through this part on my phone. Still made me cringe. Yeah. Didn't stop. Didn't. Didn't. There was no getting around this. Is this one of the most awful moments in pro wrestling ever? Yes. Oh God, yeah. I actually have one point here, too. I have another note where Roddy Piper legitimately says, the kids are going nuts, they love him. To which I wrote, do they really, Roddy? Do they really? <laughs> like, you could, you could actually feel Piper trying to do a bump. Like yeah. you, can see, you can hear his nose shooting more cocaine into his adult brain in order to just get through this. And I, uh, I'm wondering if like, they did a hard cut to Monsoon, if he just had like a coffee cup and he was just sipping it slowly. <laughs> yeah, because Monsoon is dead quiet through most of this. I don't oh, hear Monsoon much. Doesn't say a word. Um, I did note that Mean Gene at one point hits the ropes and possibly breaks his hip. Uh, and then I, <laughs> I legitimately, my last note that I wrote on this is, why won't this end with like 10 question marks after it? Because it is that painful. Oh, my God. Uh, they never actually, and I think for the most part, they never really bring up the gobbledygooker again until, what was it, like, when they did the gimmick battle royal gimmick at WrestleMania, royal. like, at, at like four years ago or something like that, so. It was, it was, I think it was a lot longer than four years ago, but yeah, you know, the gobbledygooker then sort of disappears into lore, not unlike Santa Claus. Oh, um, but eventually the, you know, again, the wrestle craps of the universe remind everyone this happened and we're not just going to forget that it happened. And because people don't remember things the way that they actually happened, they see them as though they were there as kids. People started to think that the gobbledygooker was cute, that this was fun. No, no, screw you. Hector Guerrero had to be in that goddamn suit, and you guys are all assholes for making right. me relive it every time we have to bring this up. And by the way, I would like to, and I also I would like to to um, 
state for the state definitely for the record that yeah th- this is definitely probably the most painful thing the Guerrero family should um you know put a hex on the McMahon family just for making them do that um yeah it's it's just it's just bad it's just yeah no never never again shall we but this is you know what this the actually you know what the best comparison I think might be for the gobbledygooker I, I like how you compared it to Santa Claus no this is the um this is the Star Wars Christmas special of the oh. for the WWE. This is something so bad that they they have tried their best to completely forget about it if if at all possible. And I am surprised that Vince hasn't almost edited that whole section out just to pretend like it isn't a thing, but because it's become such a a piece of lore, I don't think he had the choice to on that one. Unlike, you know, obviously the people who handle Star Wars, who have done their damnedest to make sure that that Star Wars Christmas special disappears from the planet. So... But even then, and, and, and it's an amazing point. You're absolutely right. Nostalgia does crazy things. Uh, the, the same way that you're talking about the Christmas special, people look at that and they hearken to it. Just like um, there's a uh, there's an arca- uh, arcade bar here in Orlando um, called uh, Joysticks that I went to recently, and it's full of just the late '80s, early '90s arcade games. You've got like Mortal Kombat 2, you've got NBA Jam, you've got the X Men video game, and you actually have Tron. And I went, oh my god, Tron's here. So I went over, and it's all free, and I played Tron, and then I realized something, Chad. That game's fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's amazing, but... Yeah. yeah. Alright, uh, you ready to get to what is the last, uh, I guess, insult to the final the, insult to the main ev- Nielsen movie? The main event here, everybody, uh, the ultimate survival match, or the... Uh, the main event, the they called it about eight different things during the show here, um, but we basically were bringing back all the winners for one more match. Though it is the Ultimate Warrior, uh, current WWF World Champion, uh, the Immortal Hulk Hogan, and Tito Santana taking on uh, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase and the entire Visionaries team. Yep, they're all there um, for a five-on-three matchup. Which goes almost exactly like you think it would. Um, before we before we get to that, do you find it a little odd that the villains automatically teamed up together and the heroes like the face, they don't mention it? There's no reason why these teams aren't reshuffled, right. or this isn't like a last man standing match or uh, for all of these guys. Right, it's just automatically assumed that Tiviasi is going to team up with the bad guys. That's, uh, I think we're looking at the 90s here. I think that's um, what you would have to expect at this time. Nowadays, I don't think they would almost ever do this again because the because of somehow how the line is drawn. Um, but yeah, no, it's like you look at it and go, no, yeah, that's what I expected. So I just imagine how cool it would have been if they forced DiBiase to be on the other team just because it had to be like even numbers to True. start with. There could have been a lot more here. Now, as it is, the match starts, and they immediately get rid of Warlord. Warlord. Because I'm starting to think he might be concussed. Yeah, Warlord goes out (laughs) quick. uh, And I even have quick written in all capitals. Um, From what I remember, the the eliminations are pretty hot and heavy in this one here. It goes out pretty fast. Um, Warlord went out quick. 
Santana didn't get eliminated too much faster, uh, too much sooner uh, by a Ted DiBiase stun gun uh, off the ropes. Uh, Roma and uh, Hercules hit the hit the powerplex again on Hogan, uh, which is a horrible idea because then he immediately no sells it. Uh, and then not only does he not kick out, he doesn't just not kick out of it. He rolls over like nothing happened. Right. Um, and then ends up pinning Paul Roma with a clothesline. Um, I don't have how Hercules went out. How did Hercules go out? Oh no, there he is. I got he's it. A, he's a, yeah, he's the last man out. <laughs> That's why I couldn't find it, because somehow he was the last one there, because Martel just left. Martel was yep. like, forget this. Uh, DiBiase, who probably should have been last, um, went out to a big boot and a leg drop. And then Hercules took, if I remember correctly, both the big boot and the leg drop, and then Warrior shoulder block and big splash to, to pin him. Yeah, in a, in a move that I thought was the right move, they let the champion get the last pin. Right. But I never suspected it would actually happen, that Hogan would give it up. But here's the thing. Hogan, in classic Hogan form, Warrior uh, hits the big splash. The ref jumps down to do the three count. Hogan jumps into the ring to do the three count with the ref. Of course. Because Hogan. What, would you expect anything? Because. Would you expect anything less? The, the human gobbledygooker that is Hulk Hogan had to, had to just be a part of that finish. Good for you. Good for you, Terry. So, Everyone remembers you. So, shocker, Warrior and Hogan standing tall at the end. The, uh, the fans go home happy. And <laughs> Rick and I just go home because we're... <laughs> <laughs> so. You know... Looking back, now that we've reviewed, um, the matches on the most part are better than I remember. They were. The show The show is actually just frenetic all the way from start to finish. Right. You never take a breath. And to the credit, it's booked very, very, very well, save for one really long match that, you know, and then the whole gobbledygooker thing. But if you were to take out those elements... You have a very good show yeah. here, one that is worthy of you remembering it the way you remember it. Now, my biggest question is here, and, and this is one of those moments where we'll briefly compare today's uh, to yesteryears. Um, today's wrestling matches move faster, but the shows take forever. Should yes. we be trying to look back at switching that again? where we try to limit how long these damn shows are um, and try to, like, you know, slow down the matches a little bit, or are we at the point where there's no way to unring that bell now? Well, that's that's sort of the thing. You know, we mentioned that it's a two-and-a-half-hour card, and I remember some of the first, and I think even to now, the NXT takeovers are only roughly two hours, and, and people always look at them. I specifically, man, that's such a short amount of time for a wrestling event. No, it isn't. I'm, I, I'm just used to it. I mean, you remember, I remember when Raw was an hour long, and that's all you got. Right. And that was okay. The yeah. matches themselves, if you go back and try and watch them, are not showcases of pro wrestling there's a lot of irish whips a lot of punches a lot of kick whams a lot of a lot of things that you don't necessarily associate with good wrestling but you do associate with good entertainment right so to that 
to that extent, I think you're right. I think the less the less time we have, maybe the better. So, I mean, I don't think we'll ever get there, but I think, uh, especially uh, on this Thanksgiving coming up, after you're done, uh, you know, obviously chowing down with your with your family and your friends, uh, that weird uncle that you don't really like, who's there anyway. Um, and his red hat. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to watch, you know, what will probably be some pretty crappy football games. I mean, come on, the Lions play every year. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> and the Cowboys this right, year are not good. good. So uh, maybe consider turning on the Survivor Series. Survivor Series 1990, not a bad show. Uh, let's let's bring back the, uh, the Thanksgiving night tradition for a year. And, uh, you know, you can skip the gobbledygooker part. The good news is the show is so old that on the WWE Network, it lets you just skip to the, to the match you want. Um, so when the gobbledygooker thing comes up, you can legitimately hit a button and you'll go right past it. So I, I, I disagree. I challenge you to watch to the watch whole it. thing. I challenge you to watch it. Twice. I challenge you to watch it and then rewind back and watch the gobbledygooker again. If you can get through two of them, let us know. Right. Because you must have just some kind of fortitude, and I right. want to hear about it. So, uh, Rick, do you got anything you want to uh, you want to put over? Anything you want? Any shit you want to get in to take a uh, to take an IndyCast uh, IndyCast colloquialism? Uh, I would just like to uh, point out that uh, you can uh, start listening to uh, the real American Dadass Jesse Long and I. Uh, are going to try and appear a little bit more frequently and a little bit more regularly because we've had a lot of fiber. And you can find us uh, right here on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network as the Power Hour, trying to trying to get that rebrand. Yeah, going. bring it back. Uh, or if you if you want to uh, communicate with me directly, find me uh, online on the Twitterverse at the Reed Pile. And Mr. Maximus, sir, uh, anything you care to shit of getting in? Uh, I will uh, always. Uh remind you that you can now listen to the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network not only here on Spotify, where, or pardon me, on SoundCloud, where we usually are, and on iTunes, where we usually are, but now also on Spotify, uh, which I think is pretty friggin' amazing. So, it is. Uh, listen, it is. Listen to us on any of those. Uh, review us, uh, please. We would definitely appreciate that. Uh, hey, Christmas is coming up now. It's uh, Thanksgiving's pretty much over or be close to over by the time you're listening to this. So you need Christmas presents. How about you go to www.fullygimmicked.com uh, and buy some yeah. wonderful pro wrestling merchandise from uh, from uh, one Mr. Zach and uh, one Miss Luna. Uh, let them know that uh, the Golden Guys sent you. It's not going to get you anything, but let them know. They'll be glad to hear it. Um, and... Uh, also, if you're looking for other uh, Christmas ideas, uh, I highly recommend. Uh, and uh, by the way, pretty soon here you might be seeing a, uh, a very special uh, video. Uh, I might have an unboxing video that might involve Phil Singer Games. So philsingergames.com, if you're looking for a fun wrestling game to play, uh, we are nice. always, uh, we're always a fan of them. And uh, be on the lookout on the IndieCast YouTube channel for... Uh, a very special unboxing video because I think that one will be very fun too. Uh, other than that, I have no shit else to put over. Uh, everybody, once again, thank you for listening to our wonderful Thanksgiving special. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Be safe. Don't eat too much. Uh, try not to listen to that horrible Adam Sandler song if you can help it. Um, 
And uh, until next time, everybody, uh, I am Coculus Maximus, Chad Allen. And I am the Sussman, Rick Sussman. And until next time, everybody, you can get the hell off of our lawn. Chad Allen.